0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I am a.k.a. Brad. That is a.k.a. Brad. What's going on, Brad? How you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, man. I'm doing very well. Uh, We got a special one today. We're doing, uh, I say the theme for this episode is lovers on the run. Yeah, I think that's a good description for it because we are going through Badlands
1: from 1973 versus the newly released Bones and All which has actually just hit streaming services too, so you can actually
0: catch this one right now. Yes, yes. Yeah, man, so this is, a, this is an interesting matchup, man. I remember when I saw Bones and All when it was um g- doing its rounds in uh, theaters and I had said to you like man, we got to review this episode. And I know just the film to review it with. Mm -hmm. Um, Film from the 70s called Badlands, Terrence Malick's first film. And you were like, all right, I can look into it. And yeah, and I feel like Bones and All was kind of inspired by this movie. We'll get into that later. But um, yeah, I thought this was like a perfect matchup for these two films.
1: Yeah, especially with, uh, you know, Bones and All being getting a lot of praise and everything like that. It's like, okay, we got to check it Mm -hmm. out. And yeah, the Badlands definitely is the movie to compare it to. Yes, absolutely. Quick question. What happened to your bookcase? It wasn't it wasn't that empty before. Uh, I have been emptying it to uh, do some rearranging of furniture. <laughs> so it is uh, okay. mid kind of uh, re-renovation.
0: <laughs> OK, I just wanted to make sure you run on the run.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) I already packed up my stuff after the podcast. I'm jumping in my car and I'm going as far as it takes (laughs) me.
0: I feel you. I feel you. All right. So on this one, if we're going to talk about influences of what we feel like paved the way for what I think it's it it only makes sense to do this chronological.
1: Yeah, I think that
0: there's no other way to do this episode than chronological. Absolutely. Uh, You mind if I take the reins on Badlands? Go for it. All right, so with Badlands, we got the directorial debut of Terrence Malik. We have a young Sissy Spacek paired with a young Martin Sheen. Sissy Spacek plays Holly. She's a 15-year-old that um, becomes acquainted to, uh, falls for a, uh, a young, uh, rough-and-tough guy named by the name of Kit. Kit, you know, on the surface, it feels like, all right, these are two people who have a meet-cute moment. They meet up. They uh, sit by the tree. You know, they, they have the most simple dialogue when they meet each other. I think um, when Kit meets her, she goes, uh, oh, what's your name? No, he, he he tells her her name and she tells him his name. And she says something about his name. And he's like, uh, yeah, well, when they gave it to me, like, nobody asked me if it was OK. So I just stuck. <laughs> like like he has like Kit has the best. They had It's some of the best odd. Dialogue in this movie, but we'll we'll move on to that later. So anyway, it comes to the point where Kit, again, he's a he's a rough and tough kind of guy. He's a, uh, I, I don't know, if, I don't know if Outlander is the right term, but he's 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 someone that like marches to the beat of his own drum, and that can have dangerous uh, results and consequences. So one day he decides he wants to run off with Holly. Holly lives alone with her father. Her father disapproves of Kit. He he says Kit is bad news. He even like speaks to Kit personally when Kit approaches him um, while he's at work painting mm-hmm. and he tells Kit like you know there's no future with my daughter if she goes off with you. What, what are you going to do for her? You, you, you know your bad news and you know Kit kind of smiles it off and walks away and then <laughs> the next day Kit goes to their house when they're not there and literally starts packing up Holly's stuff for her Holly and her father comes home and an interesting scene happens where, you know, Kid has a gun on him and tells Holly's father, like, listen, I uh, you know, I got an idea in my head, is what he says. Yeah. It, it pretty much he's saying, like, listen, I, I I want your daughter to come with me. You know, I don't want to make no waves. And he's like, I'm calling the cops. He's like, Ah, yeah, you don't want to do that, sir. <laughs> and, you know, again, the scene, this movie is so odd, but I love the way it plays it, where um he's about to go call him. He's like, let's say if I shoot you, uh, what what, are you going to do then? And, you know, um, Holly's father tries to call his bluff and walk away anyway. And Kit kills him. He shoots him. Mm -hmm. And from this point on, Holly and Kit decide to uh, run off together. And there begins the chaotic, strange, beautiful adventure of Holly and Kit. So was this your first time seeing this movie?
1: Yeah, this is the first time I actually caught this movie. And I've seen, like, this kind of movie before where it's the, you know, run off together, uh, avoid the cops, you know, the Bonnie and Clyde kind of, you know, movie and everything. But this one does play with it a little bit differently where it comes off where, you know, you have the character of Kit is basically in control of everything. And he sees himself as a lot smarter than everybody else, even though he's really not Like, he seems to think right. that because he has some kind of way of going about, you know, he has, he's good with his hands, he's good with guns, he's good with firearms, you know, he's good at crafting stuff. And he always sees himself as, like, the intellectual in mm-hmm. the pairing and going, no, you got to keep reading and stuff. You got to keep up with your schoolwork. You know, he has a plan for everything, supposedly, the second that any,
0: like, bounty hunters or cops show up. Dude, I love the pairing of Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek in this movie because their acting, their acting is so odd but so perfectly timed to what I imagine Terrence Malick wanted their characters to be. So it seems like like Holly has like an emotional delayed response to things. Mm-hmm. It, it's like well, like she's also only fifteen years old. If, I think fifteen year olds would be way more on time with their emotional responses than her. I feel like she's. She's kind of like shocked by everything that's happening around her with Kit, and I like the, like the time like when her, when her dad gets shot, right? Mm-hmm. He runs over, she runs over to her dad and goes, "Dad, Daddy is Holly. Are you going to be okay?" Yeah, Your just got shot. Your daddy just got shot. And then you know, afterwards, um, she tells Kit like, we need to call the ambulance. We, we need to do something for him. He, he goes over there, checks him. He don't need no doctor." <laughs> what? If you don't believe me, go see for yourself. Like I love how his nonchalance paired with her emotionally I I, I don't I don't want to say she's emotionally detached. She has emotion, but like her emotionally um emotionally delayed. Um her her emotionally delayed response is like pitch perfect. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, because he has this like way about him where he's like, I I know everything. You know, there's nobody that can sneak up on me. Nobody that can trick me. I have all the answers at all times. And so he acts cocky about everything that he's doing at the same time where she kind of goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you're the person that's guiding me through life. It It would make sense that you would know all this stuff.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, she, she follows his lead, and throughout the film, the film is narrated by her character, so we hear her internal monologue. Mm-hmm. So even she has doubts of him, like, I don't know why he flew off the handle like that. I try to rein him in, but he don't listen to me.
1: Yeah. Or when it comes to, like, killing people, he kind of justifies it, oh, these are bounty hunters, these aren't good people, you know, it's okay to kill them. It's not like they're people that are working for an
0: ends meet. Right. And, you know, he resembles James Dean to her. You know, Mm -hmm. she admires James Dean. So it's it's forbidden love in a way. But I like how there's like this strange like I don't want to say it's an interlude, but there's like like this strange sequence when after they run off and, you know, um, uh, Kit burns down the house. They live out the they live out in the woods for a while, like they live out in this little treehouse and like create a whole life there. Uh, while being on the run.
1: Yeah, where he has, like, the, what was it, the swinging ball with all the sticks coming out of it that are all sharpened. Uh, He has little traps and stuff that he can, like, hide under. He basically Mm -hmm. did think of, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the perfect getaway. He even had, like, a bird call to let her know when people are spotted or for her to let him know that people are spotted. So he definitely was in it for the long haul, in the woods and i love how he even before he burnt down the house he made like a recording of himself saying i'm gonna we're gonna kill ourselves the same way that uh, we <laughs> killed her father you know don't come looking mm. for us because we'll already be dead and being like oh yeah this will outsmart them they won't come after us
0: now because they'll think that we're dead <laughs> yeah that was so dumb <laughs> and like <laughs> I, I love how kid um his cleverness is really uh, taking the boot when he's out fishing, and there's a guy, oh, yeah. there's a guy watching him. And simply, he just takes the gun out, tries to shoot the fish. I'm like, yeah, people won't find you that way at all. Yeah, it, and, then, <laughs> and then that's the great moment where afterwards, the uh, the bounty hunters or the people that were looking for the reward come out looking for them, and he's pretty much giving away their location. I, I love the way that scene is shot, where he um, he shoots the three men. As they're coming for them, but I love how this film, and this is kind of a testament to later Terrence Malick films, where like there's there's beauty in quiet moments where we just hear Holly narrating things. Like you might see Martin Sheen walking around looking fidgety or whatever, and you'll you'll hear Holly say, "I talked to him about it later. He seemed a little sad that he shot those people. You know, he 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 seemed like if they they would have did the same thing to him if they were in his situation. Like you could tell this guy." he he's in over his head oh yeah he tries to play it cool like he knows what he's doing but he's in over his head and he's like he kind of has a screw it mentality like you know screw it let's let's do it live what happens happens
1: he's very cocky in everything he does and even when he's completely outmatched he still acts like he's in full control And his entire game is basically one of the whole things in this movie is Holly just kind of sticks to him because she doesn't know any other path to go because her father is dead. You know, she loves this, you know, this kid and that's all that her life is, but she doesn't really believe in his abilities much, especially as the movie goes on. And I love when it gets to the point where she just kind of goes, no, I'm not running anymore. (laughs) I, I'm just oh, gonna yeah. sit right here.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it becomes too much, mm-hmm. and I wanna, I wanna bring up this one great moment when um, Kid runs into his uh his former coworker Cato. They 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 come to his uh house, mm-hmm. uh, which is on a field. He br- brings them one of the chickens they found when they were living in the, in the treehouse or whatever, and uh, they're talking, and you know it's it, it's a uh, it, it's it's a funny scene, and um what happened so so at one point the uh, uh kato tells him uh, tells kit about a story like hey you know there were people out there in the fields they found some uh uh gold coins or whatever i feel like man this if this 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 don't spell setup i don't know what does but he says yeah it's right down in the field i'll go walk with you and at mm-hmm. some point he stops and goes oh i, I left my shovel and
1: yeah kit i gotta go get my like, shovel it's in the truck
0: all right kid and holly are like oh okay whatever so they start playing around, throwing rocks at each other or whatever. And at one point, Kato starts to put some pep in the step, running back to the house. And Kit goes, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just shoots Kato. And he says, oh. no, before he shoots him, he's like, oh, it, it's in the truck. Yeah. He's slowly walking past. And Kit just shoots him. And you got this strange sequence where he's like staggering back in the house, shot in the stomach. Kit runs in front of him, opens the door and uh he just goes and lays on his bed like like Cato mm-hmm. goes and lays on his bed and um the whole time kids walking around and you know holly is like uh is he upset he yeah. didn't say nothing to me about it
1: right yeah is he <laughs> upset that you shot him <laughs> and i love uh, how even in like her monologue she kind of goes i i did ask why did you shoot him and he his response was if i told you then you would you know what was it if I told you, then you would know too much,
0: I think what he said to her was like he, he like she said he never really let on why he shot her, and then mm-hmm. I think he did say, you know, oh, you would know too much if I told you again, this is a guy that is is just he's just going as he goes, mm-hmm. he doesn't really think of the consequences of what's happening, and we got an even more strange scene. I thought this was a little bit more disturbing when um. These two, this, this young couple comes to visit Kato. I assume they're friends of his too. Oh yeah. uh, Kit, Kit tells them, listen, I can't let you go in there. He pulls the gun out. He says, uh, you know, just play it cool and just uh, walk over here with me. So at some point the young couple, the girl is walking behind them with Holly and she's like, what, what's going on here? Holly's like, I don't know. I kind of just follow his lead. Um, I think if you don't upset him, he won't do anything to you. And, uh, they have this strange dialogue where Holly asks the girl, do you love your boyfriend? She goes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then um, Kit tells them, all right, y'all going to hide in the cellar and don't come out in, uh, until 60 minutes has passed. So they're about to go in the cellar. He's like, are you really going to stay in there for an hour? They're like, sure. He's like, you expect me to believe that? They're like, yeah, I what you want us to say Mm -hmm. so he closes the cellar door and then uh he just shoots through the door right he just shoots through the door and how and he was like he asked holly think i got him i don't know now let's go they started (laughs) running i was like i was like man that was jarring because every up until then we've we've seen the people dead that he shot we don't Mm -hmm. even know these people in the cellar are dead or not i don't even think the film follows back up with that
1: Right. And a lot of the time when it comes to his actions, it, it kind of makes sense when he's killing people and he like has a weas- way of justifying it. These people didn't know who he was. They, they didn't know mm-hmm. anything. It, there was no way he could justify it. And so he doesn't even try and justify it the same way that he tries to justify every other killing that he's
0: done. Yeah, th- there's a great moment um, where the guy in the back of the car, he asks him, he says, says do you like people yeah i guess says, so so why did you do it mm-hmm. you know you could tell he, he, uh, i don't want to say he's a he, I, well i guess he is kind of a sociopath but it's just he's just a strange character because you know this is based on a true story was it actually based on a true story this is based on a true story this is yeah oh i didn't know that yeah and he um I don't know if the names are the same, but it's, it's based on a true story. And yeah, this guy just went on the run with a young girl and, you know, the young girl got arrested with them and everybody uh, accused her and thought she was in on it. And, you know, she has no emotion or she, she's emotionally um, uh, uh, distant, like like I said. But, you know, it was kind of turned out that later on, like, no, that like she was a young girl. A lot was thrown at her and everything. It was a great it's a it's a great story if you ever want to look into it. Hmm. But yeah, he's just such a fascinating like like antagonist of this film. like and when they they go to the mansion the man the mansion is the strangest scene to me because it, it kind of like it's the scene where they're the first victims that he doesn't shoot. He kind of just like 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 he 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 take he goes by his word, he says, listen, I'm gonna leave you here, you know, uh don't make any sudden moves." Locks them in the closet and actually leaves them alive.
1: Yeah, I was expecting him to shoot through the door when they were leaving the same way that he did and Cato's farm.
0: Right. Absolutely. But I got to say, man, that final chase scene uh, for a 70s film that was shot and edited so well. Mm hmm.
1: And even in like the perfect kit fashion, when he decides, eh, I'm not going to get away, he like pulls right. over, he shoots his own tire so he can be like, oh, yeah, I got a flat. That's the only reason you caught me. And then he just starts grabbing rocks and it's like, what the hell are you doing? And then he's like stacking them as the police car is getting closer. And he's like, there's the monument. That's where you caught me. You know, that's the point. And it's like, wow, how cocky are you? of a person and even in the discussions he's having with the police officers and stuff, when he's like at, uh, being detained, you know, who do you think you are? I'm kit, (laughs) you know, what, what were you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then he's passing out his like stuff, like his comb and his lighter and stuff like they're heirlooms.
0: Right. There's that scene. There's the scene before we're in the car and it, you can tell they're just slightly in awe of him. It's like this guy, this guy has got to be kidding Cause at first, you know, kid asked him, like, you think I'm gonna get the juice? You think I'm gonna get like the electric chair? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, I don't know, kid. He goes, Yeah, well, all right. And it's like as he's talking, at one point they take his hat off and throw it out the car, you know, it's oh, kind yeah. of like you know, demoralize him a bit. Cause like he he's killed people and he's he's acting cocky about all this. And you know, he has that is what it is. I'm it's my world. Everybody else is just living in it. Mm-hmm. You know. And I feel like this film was one of the great films to show, I think, I don't know. I don't want to say obsession with, like, the James Dean myth, but show, like, carelessness in in in, in life in carelessness and carelessness in murder. So, like, senseless killing and, and, and trying to show that in a way. And I feel like uh, this, this film kind of shows that a bit. You know, for a directorial debut, you know, Terrence Malick's later films with uh, the thin red line and um, Tree of Life. You know he has these internal monologues like Holly has in this film, but instead, instead of how it is in this movie, in those later films, it feels like the characters are like talking in hushed whispers, like to God mm-hmm. about existence, life, or whatever they're going through in these movies. I you, we should watch them one day, but um, what I mean to say is like I could see this as a great starting point, starting off point for him, where you take like a uh, a great topic such as you know senseless killings, lovers on the run. And add a add a nice, unique um cinematic take on it. Because I, I haven't seen a film like this. I've seen a film like this with this type of topic, but not shot in such a unique, weird way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, with it being especially narrated by Holly's perspective and having, you know, Kit kind of acting as this The way he acts and everything, the way that Holly acts, the way that it's narrated, the way that everything is kind of presented to us and shown to us, because we never see anything from the perspective outside of Holly. So whenever Kit's doing something, we don't understand what his thoughts are or anything unless he says it to Holly. And that gives us a, a strange way of, like, interpreting the movie, because we don't have a direct way to know everything that's going on. And I don't know if that's how, you know, he was presented in real life and everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. I assume that we found out from, you know, the character at, or the person, you know, how he was thinking during these events and everything like that. So the way that the movie presents it is a
0: little bit different. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, a little fact, I don't know if you knew this, but um, Martin Sheen's sons, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, mm. you know, they got a cameo in this movie. They were Did uh, they really, it was that scene where, uh, and it was so random. I don't even know why that scene is in this movie. It was the scene where Holly looks out the window and she sees those two boys by the lamppost.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and the one kid is like this and the other kid is looking at him. That was Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez such a random scene i don't know if martin sheen said hey terrence can i put my kids in this most likely (laughs) yeah that's exactly what happened it probably was because terrence malik is such like he's such an improvisational director so i can imagine that probably happening like sure let's see how it goes Mm -hmm. and just putting that scene in there i thought it was so odd yeah i didn't realize that
1: that was charlie uh sheen
0: at all Yeah, why wouldn't you? Their heads were down the whole time. Right,
1: yeah. It it didn't. As far as cameo kind of thing, or kind of like, oh, hey, my kid's in this movie. It's like, yeah, that's not the best way to just have your kid thrown into this movie. And not the best kind of movie to have your kid thrown (laughs) into in the first place.
0: Right. I heard uh, Charlie Sheen had a cameo in Apocalypse Now. It's one of my favorite movies. I think he was a little older then, but who knows? Yeah, he would be older at that point yeah so balance man you know it's one of my favorite one of my favorite films one of my favorite lovers on the run films i think it's it, it's shot in a poetic way it's not perfect i think it's a nice debut for terrence Malik, especially for the great films he makes later in his career i would honestly give this a
1: 3.5 uh Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, 3.5 sounds perfectly where this is because it is a very tight movie. It's got some Mm -hmm. good cinematography. The chase scene at the end is fantastically shot for something from the 70s or from the early 70s, Uh, especially with it just being that dirt road kind of, you know, I I had the laugh when the cop car starts flipping over and then it just falls back (laughs) perfectly and then keeps going. But yeah right. it's the way that the movie's presented the characters are interesting it, it does feel like it's missing something at some scenes where you're just kind mm-hmm. of going okay i don't understand quite what's going on here but at the same time and the scene kind of just floats by and you're just like okay well i guess that's fine
0: <laughs> right but uh okay yeah <laughs> Now let's uh let's move on up to uh bones and all from 2022, and I'll uh, I'll let you take this over. So yes, bones and all follows the story
1: of Marin, a girl who has just turned 18, and upon her 18th birthday, her father has decided to leave her with her birth certificate, enough supplies to make it on the run, and a video recording. That tells the story of her previous experiences with cannibalism from a young age where she actually had uh, killed her babysitter during an event where she had chewed her neck. And later we or previously in the movie, we saw an example of her biting a girl's finger at a slumber party and biting it straight to the nub. And, you know, it's her father and her have been kind of on the run, moving back and forth to different cities and everything to try and stay out of the spotlight of the cops. And as a result, Mm. with her now being 18, he wants nothing to do with her. She can now live on her own, do what she wants, and she ends up falling into this weird world where she runs into other cannibals who are able to detect each other from smell somehow. Mm. Uh, Mostly, she... Finds this one boy named Lee, who ends up being the person that she stays with throughout most of the movie as another cannibal, uh, along with another character named Sully, who is an older gentleman that claims to only eat those that have already died of natural cause. And he will not kill. Meanwhile, we have Lee, who has no problem with killing as long as the killing is done in a way that the person deserves it. So somebody that's a very rude person, somebody that's scamming people, some way to justify the killing in order to eat them. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is the basic premise of this movie.
0: (laughs) Man, let me tell you something. When I watched this, I I saw the trailer, so I knew what to expect. But... I love the way this is shot, man. And the reason I compare this to Badlands is because they're both shot in poetic ways. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like the open road is used as a poetic, beautiful backdrop. And there's interesting editing in both of these films. Some people complain the the editing of Bones and All to be a little chaotic. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was. It, there's perfect. a
1: couple scenes where it is a little bit over the top with its editing.
0: See, and I kind of like that. I didn't think that was a bad thing. I thought the editing was choppy, but it was choppy for a choppy, twisty, not narrative, but a choppy, twisty situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But maybe it could have needed some work, but I I thought the improvisational editing matched well with the improvisational natural acting. Now, I got to say, before we get into anything, man, dude, Mark Rylance, man, this guy was in his horror movie bag in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean he he destroyed the character of Sully from the um the accent to his his creepy look like you know I got one rule. You never eat an eater. Like he's right, just, yeah. like Sully is just I, he's a perfect villain because he starts off so innocent, right? He he comes across Marin, He's like I sniffed you from some while ago. He's like, "Okay, stranger danger. Yeah. But and I can
1: tell you haven't eaten in a long time. So, why right. don't you join me? I got a
0: feast coming." <laughs> so, he starts off he starts off strange, not so innocent, strange. But then she follows him, then she she understands, "Oh, he wants to he wants to feed her." So, still strange, but mm-hmm. a little bit innocent now cuz he doesn't want to kill her. So, they have the feast, which is a very gory sequence. Yeah. Um, like, um, like I, I love the special effects in this film. Like when when you show them like eating somebody and like the the gore of it and everything is is haunting, but it fits just right. So, yeah, I, I love Sully, and we'll talk more about the the ending later. But um, so how did you feel about the chemistry between Taylor Russell and? timothy chalmont
1: so i i think they actually had pretty good chemistry because they mm, both were on this on the run kind of style they were on level playing field with each other and they were kind of just tagging along with each other for the ride there wasn't any reason for them to be together like there was nothing keeping them together aside from each other's company Uh, They weren't like on the run from anybody. They weren't like on a single goal for anything like that because they each have their own goal. Uh, Marin mostly wants to find her family, the rest of her family and get some answers onto why she is the way that she is. Uh, You have Lee who just basically wants to be accepted by his family for the person that he is. So they have completely different goals in mind for where they're going And we're introduced to Lee's family and the fact that, you know, we're told that his father wasn't a good person. He Mm -hmm. eventually was excommunicated from the family due to circumstances outside of his control. His sister still loves him. His mother doesn't want him anywhere near the family. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's, you kind of have a good story with him. And then meanwhile, we have Marin who doesn't know anything about her mother whatsoever or anything about that side of the family. Uh, Her father didn't really tell her about anything. So her entire journey is trying to discover who she is. And meanwhile, she's discovering all these other people because they can smell each other, which is, it's a weird concept, but at the same time, how else are you going to have cannibals just constantly running into each other to have these conversations?
0: That whole sequence where they run into the guys, um so so one oh, by guy, the pond. Yeah, by the pond. So something great could have came out, out of that, but I feel like in the end it was kind of unnecessary. So we have one guy who was a straight up eater. Mm-hmm. He's an eater. And we have another guy that's being trained to be an eater. He's not compulsed by it. His friend just trained him how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, he's like, I'm teaching him how to do it. And um, I love how they 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 have this one bit of dialogue that uh, ties into the title of the movie. He's like, you ever ate him like bones and all say like, bones and all. Yeah. Right down to the bones. Mm-hmm. So that whole sequence, I, I still don't know how I feel about it because it's it, it has the potential to be creepy, but it doesn't go anywhere. They just leave.
1: Yeah, they kind of just leave those two. And then that's the end of it. It's kind of just to introduce the idea of other cannibals in this kind of world and everything like that, that they have their own kind of ways of doing things. And it it's weird that this movie kind of glorifies cannibals
0: in a way. See, I don't agree with that. I don't I don't think it's glorifying cannibals. I think
1: humanizes them, I guess.
0: Well, any any character that's written well can be humanized regardless of Mm. what they do. Hannibal Lecter is is humanized, but what I'm I'm saying is, I I don't, well, he is, though, you know, Um, and that's because of Anthony Hopkins' performance. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to say is, I don't think this glorifies cannibalism. I think that's just the topic of the movie. I think that's just the plot.
1: Yeah, it kind of, it does it in a very, like, nonchalant way when they're speaking about it, but then it goes into, like, very gory detail during, like, the acts and everything. Like, the one scene near the beginning with, uh, Sully and Marin kind of on the old lady, and it's just like, oh, I don't feel comfortable watching this. This is, this is bad. And then even, like, the scene after that where they're sitting at the dinner table, they're just covered in blood and everything, and they're just having this nonchalant conversation. You know, where he's mm. like, yeah, I, I always take their hair and I keep it in order to remember the people that I eat so that they can live on in some way. It's like, mm. uh, that's so normal, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that hair that that just made me laugh. <laughs> pun intended. That hairline. Um, no, nah, but I was going to say about that sequence by the pond. The other strange thing about it is the casting. Like the one guy who was teaching the other one how to be an eater, Michael Stolberg, mm-hmm. great actor, I've seen him in many things. The other guy was is David Gordon Green, who if you know him, he's a he's a director. He directed the last three Halloween films and I believe Pineapple Express. So he's random in this movie. <laughs> he shows up in that role, but I I, I don't this I, this whole movie isn't random to me. It, I think Luca. Um, Hold on, let me get his last name right, Uh, because I I messed it up a few times. Luca uh, Guadagnino, you know, he just he takes interesting choices as a director. That's why I've always liked his I I like I mean, I like all of his movies, but I like the choices he makes. Like I like a bigger splash. I wasn't the biggest fan of Suspiria. I thought the original was better, but I like the interesting choices he made with the remake. And I, I feel the same way about this movie. It's it's oddly made. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's oddly made with with heart. Like, there's heart behind it. Like, Badlands has it has a lot of creativity and passion behind it. And I feel mm-hmm. the same thing with this movie. It's, it's a little bit of a mess. A little bit of a mess at times. But I feel Figuratively like, and literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood can get really messy in this one. But I feel like there's a lot of palpable emotion and power behind that. Yeah, there are a lot of
1: great scenes. But it's... It, every once in a while you kind of talk about scene, like the pond scene where it's like it's kind of disjointed from the rest of the movie. Uh, the mm-hmm. carnival scene just feels kind of weird that he's like just talking to these guys and you know, <laughs> it's it, then it comes down oh. to them kind of trying to figure out oh, are we really bad people for doing what we're doing and you know, is it okay that we're doing this and it's like, hey, I think the answer is pretty obvious.
0: I don't know why you're <laughs> You're just now asking that question. Right, yeah. After, after like three kills, like, you know, maybe we should have chose a different career path. Here. Right. Maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Well, with the carnival scene, I actually feel like that's necessary. It, it, it was a necessary sheen, scene to show Marin, like, okay, we have to eat. So her and Lee have to come up with a plan to find someone to eat. So, mm-hmm. hey, let's, let's pick up this carnival worker who's a douche. I mean, of course, you figure, like, I, I just need to eat. So, of course, it turns into a hookup where, you know, Lee seduces him and then they eat him. And then later on, they find out, oh, Lance had a family. I feel like even though it's 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 a typical plot device to go, okay, we need to have the character feel bad and we need some external thing to happen to go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But it's necessary because you have to understand they're comp- They have to eat, Brad. It's not really something they're in control of.
1: (laughs) Well, I get that. The movie does present like it's no matter how long they go, they'll always turn back to it no matter what. And it's something that's kind of presented in the beginning of the movie where – he her father kind of says yeah it happened when you were a little baby it happened at this mm-hmm. point and this point and even you know you could do fine for 3 years and all of a sudden you would have an incident and then there was the incident at the slumber party and everything that we see so yeah no matter what it's a consistent thing that'll always keep coming up but at the same time I Way that they presented the carnival scene, I don't know. I Maybe that scene just went a little bit too long to me with him just talking with the Absol- one carny.
0: Well, I don't think that was a long scene. I I, I thought that scene was kind of short. You're talking about the guy that they ended up setting up, right? Yeah. I don't think that was a long scene, but may, maybe that was just me. So, oh, man, I want to talk about the scene where Maren finally meets her mother. Yes. dude, That's such a great, scary scene, man. I love the way it was played. Yeah, that one
1: got me a little bit because you kind of have this whole thing with her coming to an insane asylum and her mother is Mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, Her parents had adopted her and didn't have any family history with her at all. And they didn't really have any connection with her because they were just very hands-offish with her after she grew up and got out of the house where they didn't want anything to do with her anymore. And when she booked herself into an insane asylum in order to protect herself and protect her child, Marin, as well as uh, her father and everything, because she didn't know when she would have a manic episode. And you kind of get the reveal that she's being sedated and she's been a lot calmer now, but she wrote this letter several years ago, and then as you know, Marin's reading and stuff, it's like, okay, I'm starting to piece some things together here. And Mm -hmm. then the reveal that she had self cannibalized her own hands is like, Jesus Christ, this movie took one of the darkest turn, like out of a movie that you would think that nothing could surprise you in terms of like gore and effect and everything like that. That Mm -hmm. one got me.
0: (laughs) It's like a, Oh, I don't feel right about this at all. I don't like this. i don't feel like that was a turn i felt like that was in line with the rest of the darkness of the rest in the rest of the film
1: but that was a step up from everything else that we had seen so far like just from like thinking about it standpoint
0: let's let's think about this eating the old lady that's that's dying of natural causes seeing a woman eat her own hands kind of both on the on on the spectrum i I think the eating your own
1: hands is a couple notches up (laughs)
0: <laughs> well we didn't we didn't see her do it we just Not saw the aftermath we
1: just saw yeah but the right, like the right. thought that she was just so deep into this cannibalism also the fact that the movie seems to present the uh, cannibalism as like a hereditary trait that just gets passed down to right. their kids a little bit odd but <laughs> whatever we'll, we'll skip Again, over that
0: it's, it's a movie <laughs> <you> i know, <laughs> know. It's, it's, i take this so literally but i i got you i got yeah. you
1: that, that was just one of those things that it was like hold on are they saying cannibal okay you know what whatever okay let's continue
0: <laughs> i know um there are some things about the like you said the the workings of this world of like these um th- this whole uh sub uh community of eaters and mm-hmm. how they know each other, and how they smell each other—that you know—it's it, cool in concept, but when you dig into it, you're like, eh, I don't know if this was that well thought out. I can understand that. I feel like the heart of this movie is the love story, so I I forgive that because of the chemistry between Ma and Russell. I was like, all right, you got great leads here, so I I I'll forgive the film for some of its pitfalls, plot wise.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to. Finding a way to get these people together and be like, oh, yeah, you're also a cannibal and I can sense you and stuff. It's like, okay, off the top of my head, I got nothing for coming up with a better way to like introduce them to each other and allow them to run into each other and everything. But when it comes to like the hereditary thing, it's like oh, you could easily had the mother just be like finding this out about her and being like no i I gotta kill her and then the father being like no i gotta protect her and having like a play off that or something like there's so many other ways to have the mother be like in an insane asylum and trying to be there to protect you know herself or her baby or whatever it is the hereditary thing is like one of those leaps of just going Okay. It, they did it with her, and then they also did it with Lee. And it's like, you, you already had a perfect one with the abusive alcoholic thing. You, you didn't need to go anywhere else with that angle.
0: <laughs> right. Speaking of which, man, I really liked that. I really enjoyed that monologue where Lee goes into detail on what happened between him and his dad. Mm-hmm. Where his dad, of course, like you said, alcoholic, abusive, and he tells the story of how he, he ate him. Like, they got in a fight in he had enough and he finally ate his dad. I like the way Timothy delivers that monologue. I think it's a very tender, emotional scene. And again, I know this film is, is touchy because it's about cannibals falling in love with each other. But again, I think the scene is played so well. And it's, it, it's, it's, I thought it was nicely done. It, it was a very nicely done scene. I'll agree
1: with that. It it definitely packs the emotional punch of, you know, I had to deal with this consequence. I had to deal with this. And this is the life that I live now because of what I have done.
0: Hmm. So I was going to say, in uh, in addition to that. Um, so later on, towards the end of the movie, you know, marion lee decide well let's try to let's try to play straight you know let's try to get sober (laughs) stop stop eating (laughs) you know let's let's try to fight this compulsion so they they moved to ann arbor michigan and uh you know they they have like a nice life together they live together i believe marion is working at like a bookstore and is lee going back to school or is lee working
1: i think lee was just working
0: yeah so they're, they're having a good life together. They're living together. They're like, all right, let's let's see if we can we can live this life straight. So, in comes Sully, who not not long before this scene, before they before they move away together, there was a, there was a part in the movie where Marion was separate separated herself from Lee because they killed the Carney who had a family and everything. Mm-hmm. Sully gets mad again. This is a great performance from Mark Rylance, man. I loved him in this movie, where Sully finds. Um, Marin again, and he's got some Native American like like feather in his head, uh, in his hat or something like that. I forgot what he had on, but um, he was like, uh, hey, you know, you want to run off with old Sully? You know, I uh,
1: I could find more kills for us. Yeah, I can feed us. I can make sure that we'll always be
0: feasting. Right. And at some point, Marin is like, you know, trying to be nice, like, no, I'm all right, Sully. And so it's like, you don't you don't like Sully, do you? Like, you know, well, she's also kind of creeped out because it, at this point she
1: realizes he's been following her. You know, he's been yeah, using yes, his yes. sense of smell to, you know, follow her everywhere that she's gone and even goes, yeah, I've been you know watching you and everything. And you and that other guy, you, you guys split up. So, you know, why don't you come back with old Sully?
0: <laughs> right, right. Again, yeah, creepy Sully. So she turns him down and he gets into a fake cusses her out. And I just love the emotion on his face. Like, if this guy wasn't creepy and this wasn't a creepy situation, you actually would feel sorry for him. But and he wasn't a cannibal. A, right, and he wasn't a, a cannibal. That, <laughs> I think that fits in with the creepy situation part. But, um, but um, you know, I, I I just love that moment. And when he comes back uh, for her in the end when uh, Lee isn't home, you know, you got this great camera shot of him on top of Marin saying like, uh, you and I got unfinished business. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, I, what, what, what do you want from me? And I think, she, I think she hints at some. I don't know if she was hinting at sex or something. He was like, I don't mean that kind of business. And um, oh no,
1: it was also uh, her going. Well, I thought you didn't kill. You know what? What happened to your no kill policy?
0: Oh, so it, oh, he didn't mean that. I'm sorry. It's been a. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I saw that scene. But yeah, you're right. You're right. It was. It was that. So at some point Lee comes in, and I thought this was one of the best kill scenes in the movie, like, because mm. um, it, it it drags out a bit, but it drags out a bit realistically. You know, you got Lee putting a plastic bag over his head. That that doesn't work in real life. Like I don't know why <laughs> they do that in movies. Like they did that in it, bad. It's got to be a
1: very thick plastic bag because I love how this movie even just goes where it just tears it. And it's just like yeah that
0: not even that. <laughs> not even that like you can't I don't think you can kill somebody with a plastic bag I mean I I think you yeah like Like. but a lot of plastic bags are thin
1: if, if basically you have to cut off all ability to like take in any oxygen it's yeah it's <laughs> it's basically a stretch no matter what but it can be done technically speaking
0: <laughs> I thought that technique of killing people was done with movies in the 90s right like, I know. <laughs> I know this film is set in the 80s, but come on, man. Like, come on. I, I do so love
1: anyway. that it didn't work whatsoever in his like plan to right. take him out. Uh, that did make me laugh.
0: <laughs> right. So he put the bag over him. So at some point, they all end up in the bathtub. I think at some point he does stab Lee. Um, he he stabs Lee yeah, in his he gets, defense.
1: Yeah, because he's holding a knife uh, up to Marin in the bed and everything like that, and he still has the knife when Lee comes in and is like trying to take him down, and he does get Lee very well. I can't remember how. I think it's in the chest. He gets him.
0: I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up in the tub, and uh, geez man, one of the most gory scenes in the movie. Uh, Marin just kind of like like digs her hand into uh, Sully's stomach I think and pulls out something I don't know what the organ is she pulls out but after doing that you know um, Sully finally like nods off to, to his death mm-hmm. uh, nods off
1: to his death no he, no he dies I... he he doesn't nod off to his death he, he just plops down
0: <laughs> he, just, he just plops it, down
1: this isn't like a you know oh well I guess it's nap time now It no it's oh you, you've taken out my liver it's time for me to die <laughs> I was a liver? I'm pretty sure. I I don't know. I'm not oh, a okay. doctor. I, I don't know where that. I, she,
0: uh, <laughs> I just know she pulled something out. Yeah, and all of a sudden he he died. He went he went rockabye baby after that. <laughs> um, and then she realizes, oh no, Lee Lee is stabbed. Yeah. Um, and I just thought this film went like to a perfect full circle in that end where he's he tells her, like, listen, you you got to eat me. It, that, mm. It's the only way. I, I'm not going to make it. So the film cuts away with us. You know, we can we can infer that she ate him. Well, know? no, he and also I
1: love- goes, I want you to eat me bones and all because back in like the pond scene and everything, the one call back to that scene where going, it, that's when somebody has reached their true point of cannibalism when they've eaten somebody bones and all.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you for. Correcting that. Yeah, there's that key line of dialogue too. And I love that last tracking shot, which I I thought was a great final tracking shot of them just like, you know, uh, sitting in sitting in the grass, you know, just holding each other and uh, tracks in and then the film fades out uh, Mm -hmm. Film cuts to black. I, I, I thought that was a great ending. That was a great, sad, bittersweet ending to this
1: yeah it's definitely one way to pull it and anything like that uh i can say that i've been broken w- with movies that say the title of the movie because all i can think is the family guy scene of oh, he said it he said the line that's that's the name of the movie
0: <laughs> i don't remember that scene
1: uh, just when he like says uh Bones and you know,
0: eat me, bones and no, all. I mean, I, I don't remember the Family Guy moment you're talking about. Oh, I'll send you the guy. clip
1: later. It's it's all I think of anytime like a movie says the title.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like it with, with me when um there was a scene in the Arrested Development where one of the characters just offhandedly, I think it's Jason Bateman character, just says Arrested Development, and the narrator goes, "Hey, that's the name of the show."
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Hey>. <laughs> yeah, I I mean. I, but I think Bones and All is a great title, and I think the way the film plays mm. into it and, and the meaning of that, they're in love with each other, Bones and All, and to reach the highest point of cannibalism as an eater, you got to eat somebody, Bones and All. Mm. I feel like it's a, it's, it's a nice meaning. I feel like it's not like a message type of moment when some oh, yeah. of character says it
1: right yeah it's it doesn't come off that way at all uh it's just whenever a movie does that it's all i can think about even if it's like an impactful moment and everything like that it's all i can think about is oh he said the title of the movie
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i got you um overall man listen it can be a mess but i think it's a very strong mess there's a lot of uh like i said there's a lot of power and beauty behind this film like like badlands it's -hmm. not perfect but I think it is a solid, gory romance film. With that, I, I'd probably give it the same rating. I, I look at this as a 3.5 to me.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's somewhere between a 3.5 and a 4. Just because there's a lot of really nice scenes in this one mm-hmm. that put it just a little bit above a 3.5. But I don't know if I can quite give it a 4. because can give it a 4. To, no. When it comes to the dialogue, a lot of the dialogue is pretty on the nose and a lot of the stuff that they like use to try and you know bring this world together like the smelling stuff the hereditary part you know everything like that it's like it it gets in the way you know it you have to accept a movie for what it's trying to do but at the same time when something's that distracting that you go i don't get it but why though
0: (laughs) yeah i could see that point of it i i didn't have a lot of but why though moments but i was like yeah. i'll I take it for what it is i was i was attracted to the love story i was attracted to Marin finding out who her mother was in her journey as well as what happens with lee so i feel like i forgave the film by focusing on those elements mm-hmm. yeah so uh so i guess when it comes down to it um so you lean more towards Bones and All running, right?
1: Yeah, because mostly when it comes to it being the runaway story, Bones and All, I think, does a better job with the characters being feeling individualized and they're running away together. It's not it's a necessity thing. I kind of like that with Badlands. It kind of feels like, uh, you know, it, Holly's being groomed by Kit more than, you know, they're running off together as a paired kind of
0: choice. Right. I got to agree with you. I think I would lean more towards bones and all too, for for what you said, and it feels like a, a better love story. You know, mm-hmm. I like, I like the, I think I like the dire- direction of both films, but I feel like bones and all has more interesting scenes going with it. I think it has more moments that, um even if some scenes don't work, more scenes work than some that don't. Yeah. It,
1: for me it comes down to the characters just a little bit better uh Mm -hmm. with badlands they're very one-dimensional characters with bones and all there's actually a little bit more depth to you know marin and there's a little bit more depth to lee and same with sully even as like a villain you know sully has a good amount of depth to him as this you know he justifies how he's doing things a little bit differently. And you have all these characters that kind of act as if what they're doing is okay because of different rules that they're playing
0: with. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I understand that. All right. Moving on to the after show. Mm -hmm. Has there been anything you've seen lately outside of these? Uh, Not in this last week. But
1: uh, I do intend to watch RRR. Uh, We've had some people in the comments point out on YouTube that uh, it is actually split up into chapters. So I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can Mm -hmm. get through it and everything. Because I'll probably end up taking a break in the middle of it, uh, as suggested by uh, some people. So hopefully I'll catch that by the time we get our next episode. But
0: we'll see. And uh, thank you to those comments. One of them coming from uh, one of my stories, uh, YouTube channel where I'm currently uh, collaborating with on a uh, bi-weekly review of 1899, the new show on Netflix. So shout out to her and shout out to the um, other commentator. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like I should have brought that up to you. It it is split up in chapters, so Mm -hmm. you can't take a break and come back to it. I should have thought about that when I introduced that film to you on my top 10 list. Yeah, but I would absolutely say yeah, take a break and just come back to it for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh speaking of 1899, that has a huge kind of uh fan polling to try and get that one
0: uncancelled now. Absolutely, cuz when you look at the metrics, I think when you look at the metrics of it, it was it was watched. And somebody even said they logged into their Netflix and they said uh, uh Netflix uh top bin shows um uh the the top 10 bin shows, uh, the top 10 Binge shows as of today, or something like that. And 1899 was in the was in the ranking, and somebody wrote on Twitter like, "Oh yeah, this really needed to be canceled. Mm-hmm. Now, no one's watching this at all." Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and it's um the creators of the show had a great show that came before it called Dark, and so that's why the the fan base is so strong because most of the people who've seen Dark, such as myself and other people that are just watching the show, like like just what just starting off with this show. It's a very good show. It's compelling. And I feel like with this first season, it, it answers a lot of questions. I mean, it asks a lot of questions that we want answered. And the creators themselves had a, a idea for like a three-season arc. I don't know how that's going to go. Because once Netflix cancels a show, with the exception of Sense8, I mean, it's done. When they say it's done, it's done.
1: It doesn't necessarily mean it's done, but it is probably done for Netflix.
0: But I have a feeling that's what that's what I meant.
1: Yeah. yeah. Some other streaming service might pick it up and everything like that. Uh, Honestly, we just got to find some billionaire somewhere that loves the show and will pick it up to their streaming service like The Expanse with uh,
0: Jeff Bezos. I got to say, it's very rare. I I've seen a show get canceled and get picked up by Netflix or another streaming service. You know, Arrested Development got canceled. And its last two seasons got picked up by Netflix. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nine-Nine got canceled by one channel and then got picked up by another. I, I, I've seen the reverse effect. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen the reverse effect with Netflix. I haven't seen a Netflix series get canceled and then get picked up by another streaming service. If I'm wrong about that, um, my bad. Blame my head, not my heart. But I haven't seen the reverse effect uh, with Netflix shows getting canceled.
1: I'm trying to remember the BoJack uh, Horseman spin. Well, not spin off. Uh, Tuca and Birdie.
0: But isn't that from the same creators of BoJack? Not really. From, it, it was like, from
1: the same creators of BoJack and it started on Netflix and it moved to somewhere
0: else. Tuca and Birdie started on Adult Swim. Um, Hold on. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong think Tuca- no, I, I, I did hear of Tuca and Birdie getting canceled then getting picked up and getting canceled again. But I believe Tuca and Birdie started on Adult Swim.
1: Uh, Nope. The series was canceled by Netflix after one season. And then in that was in July of 2019. And then May of 2020, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim uh, ordered a second series. You're kidding. Yeah. So that one oh. moved from Netflix, was canceled on Netflix, and then moved
0: over to Adult Swim. Well, I stand corrected. So I think, yeah, there there could be hope. So it is possible. (laughs) I think Amazon might pick it up. Eighteen ninety nine seems like an Amazon type of show. Maybe Hulu. So there there is hope that it could get picked up. I don't know how it goes with rights and licensing and all that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, it's it's a very it's a show that has a strong fan base and it's it's very well done. I, I'd suggest you watch it if you ever get the time. But, yeah, I would like to see 1899 picked up in the story, you know, move on.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems to have a pretty big fan base because I've heard more about the series since its cancellation than I did prior to the cancellation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, I mean, that's it for me. Except watching 1899, I haven't really got anything new on my plate. Some anticipated releases I uh think I want to see. I think I wanna check out Megan, man. I've seen Megan get some good reviews.
1: That's the kind of uh Chucky movie, right?
0: Right. Okay. Right. Are you are you thinking what I'm thinking?
1: Uh Chucky versus Megan.
0: <laughs> I think it could work.
1: It could work. Um it seems I, like- I'd had to double Go check. Ahead. I'm pretty sure that it's basically just Chucky but a female doll, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Female AI doll, you know, uh, that kind of loses her, loses her mind. You know how it is. But Mm -hmm. I, I didn't expect it to be, to, to be good. But for what I'm seeing from the reviews, they say, no, this is a pretty nice campy horror story. And I'm like, all right, I might want to check that out. I'll, I'll, I'll see. Maybe. It might be in the cards of DFV might not be, but uh, that's it from us. Y'all don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Don't forget to watch movies uh you can find all our socials on the next screen uh let let us know what you think do you think bones and all wins do you think badlands wins uh do you think this romanticizes cannibals or do you think brad is being uptight What, what do you think uh let us know and uh take it easy